I want you to go with me over to the book of Luke. And I'm going to start in uh, chapter 17, around verse 11. This is from the New American Standard Bible. Listen to all those phones are scrolling, those pages are turning. Amen. Luke 17, while he was on the way to Jerusalem, he was passing between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, ten leprous men who stood at a distance met him. And they raised their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they were going, they were cleansed. That's a good place to say amen. amen. Now watch this. Now one of them, say one of them. When he saw that he had been healed, turned back, glorifying God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at his feet, giving thanks to him. And he was a Samaritan. One translation says he just could not stop thanking and praising him. But the nine, where are they? Jesus said. Were there not ten cleansed? Was no one found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, stand up and go. Your faith has made you well. Now, I want you just to note here that uh, all ten of these lepers, social outcasts, sick, on their way to an early grave, all ten of them experienced a touch from God. But only one of them was changed. Now, our world right now, our country is filled with people who've had touches from God. You touch, you know, uh, some kind of experience in a worship service and your heart is touched or you've had God do something in the financial realm or something has happened physically in your body for God to restore you or you pray for a lost loved one and God, you know, set them free from something. You got over some kind of an addiction or a habit or maybe sorrow had its grip on you. You had a touch. But we're seeing a lot of people around the world throughout the nation where they're being touched by God, but they're not being changed. Every person in this room ought to thank God for the touches. How many thank God when he touched you? But that's just part of the story. And, you know, in theory, it should be that if he touches us, we should go ahead and let him complete the process of changing us. So it's not just God, I want you when I need something. but to live a life that's being actually changed or transformed. There are untold numbers of people throughout the world who've had some type of experience with God. They're touched for sure, but they're not changed. Now, touched just simply means to be emotionally stirred and, you know, stirred from some kind of experience they've had with God. And we've all had those. Change means to be modified and varied. It means to make different and implies an essential difference, amounting to a change in identity or substituting one thing for another. A change in identity, yes, our identity to Christ's identity. Substitute what? You know, his life for our life. We no longer live and Christ Jesus, what? Lives in us. Say, I die daily. He must increase. I must decrease. Our goal should be change and not mere experience. Let me help you out here. Um, charismatic, Pentecostal, Word of Faith, Church of God, Church of God in Christ, 
we're all much more tempted to settle for experiences than a lot of our evangelical friends and neighbors. Because we value what? The teaching of the Word of God, the preaching of the Word of God, but we also value God demonstrating it with power. Does that make sense? But if you're not careful, you settle for hearing some word and having some touches and not actually going through the process of being changed. How do you know when you're being changed? Well, there's some marks of being changed. You have wholeness, just like this leper. You have single-mindedness. You're living now to please God and not yourself. Can I have an amen? amen? The way the Lord put it to me is unpunctuated devotion to Christ. Come on, shout that out. Unpunctuated, unpunctuated. devotion to Christ. What does that mean? It doesn't start and stop and start and stop and start and stop. It is unpunctuated devotion and single-hearted devotion and wholehearted love for God that goes on and on and on. Matthew 26, 58, we know that when Peter denied the Lord, the Bible says here that he followed him at a distance at that point. There are a lot of people who are following, but at a distance. And there are other people who aren't really following him at all. Multitudes followed him for miracles of food and miracles of provision and for supernatural uh, miracles of power, but veered away when the teaching got tough. Because they liked the touch. I like the full belly. But then when he said, unless you eat my body... And drink my blood, you have no part of me. And the Bible says that they left him. At that point, there are 13 men standing, 12 plus the master. And he looked at them and said, Are you going to leave too? And Peter says, To whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Who else is going to change us? But from thousands to a few, when the expectation was not just be touched, but be changed. Turn to somebody and say, I'm here to be changed and not just touched. Come on, say it boldly. I'm here to be changed and not just touched. So I can have an emotional experience. I can have an encounter with God. I can have a healing. I can have a provision. I can have a deliverance. And that doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to walk out of here and follow him. What stood out about this one Samaritan? He started a pursuit of Jesus. Look at somebody say, pursue him. When Jesus called the disciples to follow him, he understood what the Hebrew meant to say, follow me. It literally meant not passively following somebody around, but to pursue them. It means to chase down, to be hot on the heels of someone. That's what Jesus calls us to do, is to be hot on his heels, not passively following or following from a distance. Now, if you grew up in my day, you grew up watching movies like Smokey and the Bandit. East bound and down, loaded up and trucking. <laughs> We're going to do what they say can't be done. <laughs> and in the process... Of making that journey. Most of you don't know that, that Coors used to be illegal to cross the Mississippi because of statute. And so it was bootlegging to bring it across. And so they're doing this. In the meantime, he picks up a passenger who happened to have left her wedding. And the father 
of the groom was Sheriff Buford T. Justice. He immediately goes into a hot pursuit, chasing him across five states. Before he's done, the car is crashed, the roof is ripped off, the doors are gone, but he continued his hot pursuit. Now you get it, got to give the old boy credit. You know, that's the way you and I ought to be with the Lord. Amen. I mean, if it were you or me and we find out that he runs off with your future daughter-in-law, we just said, whatever. <laughs> but hot pursuit. This is what's missing in the body of Christ. Not just I follow Jesus, I had an encounter with Jesus, but everybody who claims to be a Christian in hot pursuit of the one they claim to love. Can I have an amen today? In John 8, 12, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Whoever pursues me. Jesus calls us to follow him, and it's more than an invitation to pray or prayer. It's a summons to pursue Christ. It's a summons to live for him and find your ultimate joy in him. Remember when Jesus called his first disciples, he said, in Matthew 4.20, and straightway they left their nets and followed him. It means they pursued him. In Matthew 4.22, the other two, and they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him or pursued him. In Matthew 8.1, when he was come down from their mountain, great multitudes followed or pursued him. Turn to somebody and tell them, it's hot pursuit. It's hot pursuit. It is not following from a distance. That New Testament meaning of follow it means to go hard after. It means to be in the same way with someone, to accompany them, go where they go, to be united on the same road, one going in the same direction or the same way. I like to say it like this. It's relentless, faithful, diligent, constant, tireless pursuit. Say that. Relentless, faithless, faithful, diligent, consistent, tireless. I mean, you don't have to think very long to say, you know what? That does not describe a big chunk of the body of Christ around the country. But say, it describes me. Turn to somebody and smile and say, I'm on hot pursuit. Amen. In Matthew 20, verse 29, here an illustration of this. And Jesus and his disciples were leaving Jericho. A large crowd followed him. Two blind men were sitting by the roadside and when they heard that Jesus was going by, they shouted, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. And the crowd rebuked them and told them to be quiet. But they shouted all the more, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. And Jesus stopped and called them, what do you want me to do for you? They asked, Lord, they answered, we want our sight. Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes. And watch this, immediately they received their sight. They got touched. But then it says, and followed him. Pursuit. It's wonderful to have a touch of God. Raise your hand if you know it and you enjoy it when God touches you. You know. If you were here this morning and didn't experience the presence of God, your wood's wet. Amen. You just, you just have to be able to discern when God is moving. But that is not the end goal. It should be a means to an end, not the end. And these blind men are receiving a touch 
But now they're also moving on to the place of being a pursuer or a follower of Christ. You know what America needs more of right now? More pursuers of Christ. Not just receivers of all of his goodies. We're changed as we faithfully, tirelessly, and consistently pursue him. As long as we're pursuing him, we're changing. When you stop pursuing him, you stop changing. Raise your hand if you want to truly change. You want God to have his way in your life. You want to be everything he's called you to be. You must maintain an attitude of pursuing him. Um, if you've been around this church any of the time, you know that uh, we have discovered and, and really love the ways and the means of pursuing God. You pursue Him in prayer. You pursue Him in the Word of God. You pursue Him by standing in step with His Spirit. These are not these things you do once in a while. These are things you should be doing consistently as a habit in your life. Amen? Say it. I'm in hot pursuit. Just in this room, how many can remember a time where you were in hot pursuit and how many can remember a time when you weren't? Is it easy to go through the motions? Especially when other people are doing the same thing. Amen? Well, watch this. But during that season that you were a Christian, maybe going to heaven, that's not what we're talking about today. During that season that you were just the Christian but not pursuing Him, that's a season where you weren't really being transformed. But how many say, thank God He redeems the time? Amen? Amen? I found out that he can cover a lot of ground very, very quickly if you just trust him with it. But understand this, in these last days we can't afford to go into a pursuit and out of a pursuit. We have to stay and maintain a hot pursuit for God consistently. Amen. The message today is about dealing with things that try to take us out of that place of pursuing him. Galatians chapter 5, Paul put it like this in verse 7. You were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion or influence does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole bunch of dough. Watch this. He's saying, who cut in on you? Who cut in on your pursuit and caused it to be compromised? He said, a little yeast, everybody say a little yeast, a little works yeast. of the whole batch. It doesn't take a lot of influence for you and I to come out of our pursuit. Not a lot. That's why we have to be mindful and discerning about what's going on around us. I'm telling you, the devil's number one goal in your life today his number one priority is distraction, interruption, diversion from your pursuit of Christ. It's his number one goal. Born again, born again, he can't do anything about that. You made your profession of faith, you believe in your heart, amen, you said with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, but he can sure make you, amen, uh, not a threat in this world to him. He can absolutely neutralize you in this world. And that's what he's trying to do. And he doesn't take a lot of you know, major things. A, a few simple things can take you off of that path of pursuit. And it's not just pursuit. It's continuous pursuit of him. 
Say that with me. My call is the continuous pursuit of the Lord. Amen. And when you pastor a while, you start to watch that uh, people really can be knocked off that path for very simple things. And there's not enough time in the day for spiritual leaders to go around behind everybody making sure this doesn't happen. Amen. We're told to guard our own hearts. Why? Because for out of the heart are the issues of, of life, the wellspring of life. To pay attention to this. Every single day, his goal is to knock you off of that pursuit of God. Because he knows that's what's going to transform your life. Well, I happen to believe that this is a room full of people who want to pursue God. I'm in the company of people today in this room that want to become the devil's worst nightmare. That when you get up tomorrow, the devil goes, oh no, they're up again. He doesn't play fair. And you have to be discerning to see the, the things that he does. The exhortation from the apostle in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer or the author and perfecter of our faith. When you have lost your pursuit of him, your faith cannot be perfected, it cannot be developed, it cannot be matured. Glory to God. Don't let things cut in on your pursuit of Jesus. Don't let anything do that. But my eyes are fixed on you, sovereign Lord, and you I take refuge. Do not give me over to death. Psalm 141.8 I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Psalm 16.8 Say this with me. Just a little leaven. Just a little influence. And your pursuit will move to existence. We don't need more Christians existing. We need Christians pursuing. Turn to somebody and tell them, I'm in hot pursuit of Jesus. Say, my eyes are fixed. My focus is on Him. Those old tricks won't work on me. But as we go through some of these, maybe you can... Isolate a few that have been effective. Just because they've been effective before doesn't mean they have to be effective anymore in your life. Say, so, I'm a learner. I'm a disciple. Those tricks won't work on me again. First of all today, don't let your friends cut in on you. Bad company Corrupts good character. Somebody like that point over there. Let's see if you're still shouting later on. Amen. <laughs> you can be friendly. You can have friends in the church. But that doesn't mean everybody is pursuing him. There are more existers in the body of Christ than pursuers of Christ. And you know, sometimes you're, you're just not going to have friends go with you. You're the nutty bunch. <laughs> You're on fire for God. 
You actually believe that he still heals and delivers and provides and raises people from the dead. You're still a person of the Spirit. You still believe in the present day ministry of the Holy Ghost. You still believe in tongues and interpretation and prophecy and healing and words of knowledge and words of wisdom. The gift of faith. Are you here today? You're the nutty bunch. And not everybody's going to go with you. Don't you water down your pursuit of Christ so you can get along with them or make yourself feel better or feel like you won't be rejected. I'm telling you, anybody on a hot pursuit for God is going to be rejected by some people around them. You don't have to reject them. They'll just kind of fall by the wayside. Don't pine over that. You're in hot pursuit. The only thing that matters is your pursuit of Jesus Christ. That's the only thing that matters. You lost some friends along the way. Oh, my goodness. I went to my 10-year high school reunion. That was a few years ago. <laughs> Two of my best friends standing there at the Mississippi Flyway. It was a little bar and grill not too far from where we lived in Carmdale, Illinois. And I walked in there, and they're sitting there with a mickle. Remember, like it was yesterday, sitting there with a mickle in their hand just like this. And, oh, they saw me, recognized me. I changed a lot. I was taller. My hair was browner. Amen. <laughs> and I was saved. <laughs> I was savored. <laughs> and just like this, I mean, literally just walked into the place. Going to reconnect with some folks and share the love of God with some of them that desperately needed it. <laughs> And they say, hi, how you doing? I said, great. And he looks at me and he says, these two eventually got married. And he looks at me and goes, so what are you doing? He goes, well, I'm a pastor in Hopkinsville, Kentucky. And just like this, that's nice. <laughs> and I mean, I've seen people turn on a dime just because they couldn't handle the fact that the road I was walking down. I can tell you something. They didn't save me. They didn't heal me. They didn't provide for me. Amen. They're not my Savior. They're not my Lord. I'll never turn from a hot pursuit because of a person's rejection of me. In fact, in some ways, rejection of you over Christ is a badge of honor. Take it as a compliment. I said, take it as a compliment. It's great if you allow, if they allow themselves to be influenced by you and they walk with you. But sometimes you just have to keep walking. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Number two, don't let your family cut in on you. Don't settle for, for the lowest common denominator of spiritual intensity in your family. Set the pace. Be on fire for God. Be hot for God. If they don't think you're a little weird, it's not working right for you. And I know what some of you have said through the years. Hey, you've invited family, you've ministered to family, you've given them the opportunity to learn the uncompromised word of God and be in a spirit-filled environment, and you did it for a season for a little while, and they backed away. They couldn't handle the pursuit. Don't you dumb down your walk with God because other family members are dumbing down their walk. Don't you dumb it down because they want to hide behind the doctrines of men. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? and the fellowship of churches that have long lost the life of God, you walk with God no matter what your family does. And you husbands out there, get on fire for God and stay on fire for God. And you women, amen, get on fire for God and stay. Walk down that path together. You'd be amazed what a spirit-filled couple in unity can do for the kingdom of God. Not one or the other, 
but both of them on fire for God. Amen. Don't you let your family cut in on you. You walk with God. <laughs> Matt Hagee, the son of uh, John Hagee, was ministering about uh, Genesis 3, and he was saying, the, you know, the Lord told women that your pain in childbirth is going to be increased and that your desire is going to be for your, uh, your husband. And he said most people interpret that, well, that's going to be an increase of sexual desire focused on that husband. He said, I've never had any time some woman come to me or some man come to me and say, you know what, she just can't keep her hands off me. He said what it is, is a desire of control. And a godly woman and godly man aren't looking for control and manipulation. They're looking to be hot for God and going for God. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? You get two people that are hot for God, control is a non-issue. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? Glory to God. That's a result of the fall. Being controlling and manipulative is a result of the curse. The blessing is where you serve one another and you bless one another and you pursue Christ with all your heart. Can I have an amen today? Number three, don't let some girl or guy cut in on you. You would be amazed how many people stop their pursuit in pursuit of a dude or a girl. Even to the point of complete compromising of what they believe in so they can have that relationship. The relationship you have with Christ should be more important. If they won't come up with you, then you need to leave them alone. But my biological clock is ticking. I need to get with the program. Let me tell you something. You better let that thing click on. As I've seen more than one time where they get married, violate everything they knew from the Word of God so they can have somebody in their life. And the next morning when he wakes up and his head's spinning around and he's spitting out, you know, pea green soup, don't call me to deliver him. Yeah. <laughs> well, they're my missionary tasks. You do not missionary date. You do not missionary marry. he's not going after God with all of his heart, you have no business doing anything with him. Amen. And same thing with her. Yeah. I'm going to come over here and say this to the college students. <laughs> <laughs> if they're not pursuing Christ, you shouldn't be pursuing them. Right. And if you're pursuing Christ, he'll put the right person in your life. And please, please stop doing this, says the Church of Jesus Christ, and I mean worldwide. Stop saying that when a couple is compromising, one's hot and one's dead. Isn't that cute? It's not cute. My, they make a lovely couple. Yeah, lovely now. Hell on earth a few years later. There you are on Facebook saying, my, isn't this wonderful? No, it's wonderful if two people are hot for God. And there was no compromise in the making of a union. Are you here today? Shout it out. Don't let some guy or girl cut in on you. And if you're married, don't let some guy or girl cut in on you. Be faithful. 
I said be faithful. Yes. Being in hot pursuit for God and being in hot pursuit for the one you married. Amen. All other hot pursuits are off limits. Yes. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Yes. And be so much involved in hot pursuing your spouse that they don't even think about pursuing somebody else. Amen. Glory to God. You say, Pastor, what are you talking about? That's not a problem in, in the Christian world. <laughs> Let me help you out here. If we all would do a better job as leaders addressing this stuff, we'd be doing better as a body in these areas. It is an issue. Don't let some habit cut in on you. You can't pursue him and your stronghold at the same time. Recovery Ministries will tell you that Addicts, you know, will trade everything for that one addiction. What you want to do is trade that addiction and earn everything. Amen? Amen. Be delivered. Be set free. It's impossible for you to feed that thing, that habit, that addiction, and actually be you know, pursuing Christ in the hot pursuit. It's not going to happen. You're going to be doing one or the other. Don't let your doctrine cut in on you. I'm right and everybody's wrong. This group does it wrong, and that group's, group's got it wrong, and over here they don't do it right, and over here this is wrong, blah, 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 and then you're a jerk while you're talking about it. Better if you be, amen, a kind person who's wrong than a jerk who's right. I've seen a lot of people that were doing just fine going down the path, walking in the victory of God, and all of a sudden somebody puts some stupid doctrine as the main thing, and they'll go by the wayside. Now they're pursuing doctrine and trying to correct everybody else's doctrine instead of pursuing Christ. Jesus had a word for those kinds of people, Pharisee. Look at somebody and tell them, don't let a Pharisee cut in on you. <laughs> Come on, say, don't let a Pharisee cut in on you. Yeah, there's right belief, there's wrong belief. There's right doctrine and there's wrong doctrine. But the greatest of these is not doctrine. These three abide. Faith, hope, and doctrine. No. Jesus said, you'll know them by their doctrine. A new commandment I give you, get your doctrine right. No. That you what? That you love. Don't let your religion cut in on you. A form of godliness that denies the power. Don't get so used to going through the motions that you feel like everything is just fine because you act like everyone, you look like everyone, talk like everyone. No, you know the difference. How do you know the difference between being hot for God and just being religious? And don't be under condemnation if you've been a little more religious than hot for God. That can change today. I said God can light your firecracker today. Glory to God. Don't let your will cut in on you. It happens all the time. I know he wants me to do this, but I want to do that. No, not your will be done, but his will be done. You're here to do whose will? You're here to do the will of God. Don't let your will cut in. Don't let your work cut in on you. Oh, it's very important when I do. My work is very important. Not disputing that. But you know what will happen when you retire or die? They'll replace you like that. 
get them a new name tag, six months, they won't even remember you. Because you thought this was all such a big deal and so important. No, you work. The Bible tells you to work. If you don't work, you don't eat. Amen? You don't provide for your family. You're worse than a what? Than an infidel or a non-believer. But keep it in perspective. Pursuing Christ is your main thing. Amen? And once he writes your name in his book, it's not going to get expunged or replaced. Aren't you glad? Say, so a lot of people have a problem with that. Well, everything is used as an excuse not to pursue him, including work. Don't have time to pursue Christ. Well, your main thing should be pursuing him and everything else will work out just fine. Amen. Glory to God. Don't let material things cut in on you. Very simple. When you are hearkening diligently unto the voice of the Lord your God, all these blessings shall come up on you and overtake you. Surely goodness and loving kindness shall follow me all the days of my life. Shall pursue me all the days of my life. Nowhere in Scripture does it tell you to seek or pursue stuff. Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added unto you as well. You pursue Christ, you won't be able to stop stuff from pursuing you. Thank you for your enthusiasm over that revelation. Pursue stuff and you'll let it cut in on your walk with God and your pursuit of Christ will get cold real quickly. Say it with me. I pursue Him. The stuff pursues me. Say, I'm pursuing Him. The stuff is stalking me. See, that's okay because it means you're not worshiping stuff. You're not bowing down to the altar of materialism. All materialism is is the attempt to meet a spiritual need with something physical or material. It could even be a relationship. But you're going for God. That's why when you're going for God and God blesses your life, you don't care about being a blessing because you're not after that stuff. I'm after Him. The stuff's after me. So what I'm going to do is turn around and take the stuff and use it to pursue Him. Say it with me. I got a stalker. And her name is Shirley. Shirley, goodness and mercy and loving kindness shall follow me all the days of my life. Don't let material things cut in on you. Paul's like, what or who cut in on you? You were walking well. You were doing well. What kid cut in on you? Don't let condemnation cut in on you. Yeah, well, made some mistakes, and all I do now is I live in guilt. Sounds all spiritual, but according to the Word of God, you have the ability to stand in the presence of a holy God without a sense of guilt or condemnation because you're a child of God. Don't let condemnation cut in on you. You open up your mouth and say, I'm redeemed from that in Jesus' name. Say it, I am saved. I'm redeemed. I'm forgiven. I've been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Shout it out, no condemnation. I've run into people all my ministry who felt so condemned and guilty that they didn't feel worthy of pursuing Him. It's not about you being worthy. It's about who He made worthy. 
and you can go after him in hot pursuit unless you let your condemnation come back in there and tell you how unworthy you are. Raise your hand if you ever did something stupid before you're a Christian. Now raise your hand if you did something stupid after you were a Christian. Apparently some of you have arms that are amputated. <laughs> Let me see them again. You did something stupid after you became a Christian. Let me see those hands. Okay. What do you do? You put it under the blood. He's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And you go on and you pursue him anyway. Don't let the devil use condemnation to keep you back from your destiny. Glory to God. Don't let your past failures cut in on you. You know, when you try to do anything in life, sometimes it doesn't work out. Your failure is not your identity. You just figured out a way it won't work. You just pick up and move on in Jesus' name. Amen? Don't let fear cut in on you. Pursue Him or you'll yield to fear. You can't do both. You do one or the other. You think about Peter who's following from afar after Jesus was arrested. Why was he doing that? Because fear cut in on his walk with God. It's a terrible taskmaster. Next, don't let hurts cut in on you. You can choose to nurse that wound the rest of your life, or you can pursue him, but you can't do both. Here's the mystery. How many of you understand what I'm saying to you? When you're pursuing him, you're changing. If you're not pursuing him, you're not changing. So here comes the defense of bitterness and unforgiveness, and you're nursing that wound. You're nursing that hurt. During the time frame where you're nursing the hurt, you're not pursuing him, and you are not changing. That's why you can find a bitter person from 1980 and find them today and they're the same bitter, defeated person they were then because they did not grow, they did not change because they were pursuing the hurt instead of forgiving as they have been forgiven. Say it with me. I am charged to forgive as I have been forgiven. Don't you dare let some hurt or wound cut in on you. If you're going to progress in your hot pursuit of him, you're going to have to let that stuff go. Remember last week, we have become professional forgivers. You know how you get professional? Practice. Over and over and over again. Glory to God. Don't let your disappointments cut in on you. The only disappointment that should matter is disappointing him for not pursuing him. Pursue him. Raise your hand if you've ever been disappointed in life. Amen. Raise your hand if that person's sitting next to you. I'm just kidding about that. You don't have to do that. Raise the pie. You've been disappointed in life. Aren't you glad there's hope in Christ? Amen. What do you do with that? You set it over here. You give it to him. Yeah, but Pastor, I really don't understand. I thought this was God. I thought it was of him. I thought it was his direction. And then nothing seems to work out. Well, do what Joel did when, when Brother Osteen went on to be with Home of the Lord. And he's with him today, of course. He said, I just put those things in manila folder and I close it. And I, I wrote on there things I don't understand in this life. If you're not careful, you get so trapped in trying to figure out everything and trying to explain everything and understand everything, you'll stop pursuing Him. Yeah. Give that to Him and go on with Christ. Right. 
You don't have to understand everything. You don't have to know everything. I don't care how much you try, you're never going to be God. You are not all-knowing. So put it in that file folder. All right, this was disappointing. This didn't work out. You can sit there and try to figure it out till you're blue in the face. Or you can say, you know what I'm going to do? I do know one thing. I don't understand that. But I do understand this. He has called me to pursue him. He has called me to follow him with hot pursuit. That's what I'm going to do. Glory to God. Don't let your smartphone cut in on you. I'm going to use that one again because there was a voice of, is he really going to go there that I discerned? Don't let your smartphone cut in on you. Uh, Pastor, I've been on my smartphone surfing the web while you've been preaching today. Are you talking to me? Yeah, I'm talking to you. Uh, I know iPhone does this. I assume Samsung does as well. You can actually go on there and see how much time you're on that phone. And I encourage you to do that. That'll lead you straight to repentance. <laughs> and it's really shocking. I mean, I'm, I remember, you know, seeing people talk about that and, and they were talking about being interviewed in the three, four, five, six, eight, eight hours, something like that. I'm thinking about, and I don't have time to go to church. I don't have time to read the Bible. I don't have time to pursue God. But you have time to do what? Are you here? I say this with all respect, but there, there may be a need for deliverance in this room. What would happen if we confiscated your phone today? Besides starting to shake, what would happen? What eternal would happen? And it's not just smartphones, it's anything like that. Technology where you're being diverted from pursuing Him with all your heart. It includes social media, but it's not just social media. Amen? Tools in life should be used as tools, not pursuits. Are you here today? And last but not least, and this is just a sampling of things that will throw you off your path. Don't let a lie cut in on you. Say that with me boldly. Don't let a lie cut in on me. Hey, here's a child of God. Here's a family walking with God, walking with God, excited, serving, growing, blowing. I mean, making a difference, loving on people that are being loved. And then all of a sudden, here comes the enemy to introduce one single lie. And Instantly, the pursuit is stopped. Now, this isn't new. This happened in the garden. Hey, Eve, here's the real story. Your God's holding out on you. He knows that when you partake, you'll become like a God. He doesn't want any competition. He, he doesn't want you to fulfill your potential. It's great for gaining wisdom. And look how nice it looks. And she partook it and gave it to Adam. One lie cost them the pursuit of God. And contrary to the weird teaching out there that says that somehow Mary was not under the curse of sin, 
She was sinless. She was not sinless. She was fully human. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? It set up the, you know, in posterity, sin across God's human creation. Say it with me. One lie. Say it with me. One. One. One lie acted upon will stop your pursuit. Fast forward, God is walking in the cool of the day and he's calling out Adam, where are you? Well, he knows full where where they are. But what did they do? Their eyes were open, fear came in, and the pursuit of God was compromised by one stinking lie. Are you here? Pursuing him. Pursuing his work. Staying in a position to discern where a unction or a voice or a word or a message or some kind of spectacular thing is coming from discerning the spirits and general discernment to be able to discern between good and evil, right or wrong. It's never been more important. And you and I have got to get to the place where instantly we can smell a rat. Because it doesn't take. 15 years of working on you and lying against somebody about something to pull you off the path God has for you. Just one. Amen. Years ago, we had a couple, I wasn't the pastor of them, but they were, you know, growing and blowing, doing great things for God. And one day over in the domes, they looked up and they saw triangles, a bunch of triangles. And they decided on their own because the devil told them and that was the sign of the Illuminati and should not be in a church. And wham, stopped the progress. One. Everybody say one. Here's, here's what you have to understand about a lie. Say, oh, I, I know it's wrong to tell a lie, Pastor, so I'm not going to tell a lie. I'm not going to be responsible for, you know, for stopping somebody else's progress in pursuit of God. Here's what the average Christian does not know. And you've got to get into your spirit today. It is a sin to tell a lie. Do I have an agreement? Yes. Say it with me. It is a sin to tell a lie. But watch this. It's also a sin to believe a lie. I didn't say inconvenient, troublesome, oops. It's a sin. So you hear something, you act on it, it compromises your pursuit, and it was a sin of believing something that's not true. A leader in the church doesn't actually shake your hand. Well, here comes a lie. They just don't like you. What is that? It's a lie. Somebody comes to you, you know, and they want to tell a story about another member, another believer, another minister. Amen. For whatever motivation and you believe it, your believing is a sin. And you'd be amazed how fast that can cut you off from your destiny. Are you here? One. Just one sin craftily placed that you believe and he'll cut in on you and stop your pursuit of the Lord. 
Amen. I get reports all the time of people who have gotten themselves into offense and gotten into some kind of strife. And if you peel back the onion far enough, you know what you find? There's that golden lie. Amen. Uh, most of you have heard Kelly talk about her story, but up until a couple years ago, she did not know who her father was. Watch this. The assumption for a four-year-old, five-year-old, 10-year-old, 15-year-old, the day she got married, no father there. Grandfather walked her down the aisle. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? Was that he doesn't love you. He doesn't want you. I'm telling you, without Christ, that can devastate a young lady. And has devastated a lot of young ladies. Looking for that because of that lie. But you know what? Not every man that's not told about what? About a child is a deadbeat. Sometimes children are lied to about the presence of the father. And sometimes they just don't have the information. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? But come to find out, she did 23 and me. And one of this man's other sons did 23 and me. And his son did one. And they connected. And she found out she has four brothers she never knew she had. Shazam, instant family. Hallelujah. <laughs> but here's the point. What they've told her is he would have, he died in 17. So before she could ever meet him, he was, he was gone. But the people in that family that knew him the best say he would have adored you. He did not reject you. Now, if you're here today and you're holding on to something in the, in the middle of that big onion of offense and bitterness and hurt, Lord wants to set you free. Don't believe the lie. Say it, I refuse to tell a lie. I refuse to believe a lie. Say it again, I refuse to tell a lie. I refuse to believe the lie. Amen. So, whatever it is you've been nursing, whatever it is that you have believed through the years, it's time to let the light and the Word of God shine on that situation. She so can go on and pursue God. It was all designed to get you to stop pursuing Him. Amen? And let's be a lot more discerning, church, can we? You don't have to make a big deal out of it. <laughs> Somebody say something to you that's not true. You don't have to go, liar, liar, liar. I don't recommend that either. <laughs> Just simply say no. Say it with me. I'm in hot pursuit of Jesus. I don't have time for that. Say it one more time. I'm not going to tell a lie. I'm not going to believe a lie. Because they're both sins. But you'd be amazed how many people have been cut in on by one single lie. God did this to you to teach you a lesson. Amen. Well, you never know what God's going to do. No, we do know from His Word what He's going to do. I'm going to finish this up with just reminding you that when John Osteen had his sister Mary was in an insane asylum. He was in Houston. She was in Dallas. 
And uh, she was losing everything, her health, her mind, even not even knowing who people were. And she was, she was quite young for that kind of thing to be going on in her life. And he got up one morning, and he was just, just mad, you know, in terms of indignant at what the devil is trying to do. And uh, she was, I mean, she was on her way out. And he drove from Houston to Dallas, praying in the Holy Ghost the whole way, just, just praying profusely, boldly in the Holy Ghost for whatever he was going to find there. And so he walked into uh, Mary's room. Her name was Mary Gibbons. And he said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I command you to be healed, whole, and sound. You come out of that bed of affliction. He just dealt with that thing right then and there. And she sat up. She said, John, is that you? Instantly healed. Her testimony is, she said, when I saw you come through there, I actually saw Jesus. Jesus came in that room. He said, no, Mary, it was me. I came in that room. She said, no. It was Jesus. And then she told him this unbelievable story. She said, I was to believe and I believe that God did this to me for some divine purpose and reason. And that lie is what's responsible for keeping her in that bed of affliction. What? One lie. But she got delivered that day. I said she got delivered that day. Don't you let the devil lie on the character of God. Don't you let theologians lie on the character of God. Don't you let people tell you what God won't do anymore, what he can't do anymore. Don't you listen to that nonsense that strips the Holy Ghost from the modern church and relies only on the intellect and persuasive ability of human beings. You believe in a God who's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's still doing miracles. Amen. He still heals the sick. He still raises the dead. He still supernaturally provides for you. Don't you let them lie on your God like that. No. And again, you don't have to be a crusader. Just don't let it get on the inside of you or it will stop your pursuit of him and everything that he has for you. Glory to God. Say, so, hey, well, what if I've uh, been knocked off my path? What have I been cut in on? You say, well, if you were to ask the average person in here, they would say, well, I think you're doing just fine. But in your heart of hearts, you know that something cut in on you. He's not done with you. I said, he's not done with you. First thing you need to do is realize that's what happened. Say it, I realize something cut in on me. And if you don't know exactly what cut in on you, ask God, he'll show you. He'll give you that revelation. Amen. Number two, repent. What does that mean? <laughs> repent. Change your mind with a corresponding, amen, course and behavior determining what you're doing. Say it, I repent. Say it, I repent. Say it, I repent. I repent. What are you going to do after you repent? You're going to return to that pursuit. Say it, I return. To the pursuit. That's all that matters. That was the goal all along. Sandbag you and keep you from God's best. Amen. Say it. Return. Return. Next thing you can do is re-engage. Do everything that needs to be done to cultivate your pursuit of Him. Say it. I re-engage. I'm in the Word. I'm praying. I'm seeking God. I'm putting Him first. I'm serving Him. 
Glory to God. You don't have to stay where you were. How many can raise your hand and say, you know what, one of those things that cut in on us, I can relate to at least one of them? Can you? How many can relate to more than one of them? How many say, I stopped writing? (laughs) Just download the message. (laughs) He's the God of fresh starts and new beginnings.